0: A lot of us have been well-trained in a field, yet the call of leadership requires us to be flexible and sometimes to pivot. On this Saturday cast, the journey of one of our academy members to grow into new opportunities. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 351. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. This is the relatively new monthly Saturday cast. About once a month, I'm airing a special episode here on a Saturday, that's a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners. Now, the next episode is still coming on Monday, so this is a bonus show, if you will. These Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to become substantially more effective in talent development, effective decision-making, consistent innovation, self-organization, and efficient learning. You can discover more and get alerted about opportunities to apply for the academy by visiting coachingforleaders.com/academy. And today I am really glad to welcome one of the members of our academy to the Saturday cast, Beth Garrison. Beth is the senior consultant of Shaping Development and is the owner of Operant Coffee. She is a board certified behavior analyst by training and previously was the CEO of a nonprofit services division, which is when I met her. She's in her second year of membership in the Coaching for Leaders Academy and is here to share a bit of her journey with us. Beth, I am so glad to welcome you to the Saturday cast.
1: Thanks, Dave. I am so excited to be here.
0: Oh, I just uh, cannot wait for this conversation. I was mentioning to you that I've just been looking forward to this all day long. And uh, I have just been so captivated by your journey over the last two years since we've known each other. And before we get into some of the details, I'm wondering if you can maybe just give us a little bit of a background on who you are and how it is you're involved in being a behavior analyst and a coffee company. (laughs) So tell us more about that.
1: Sure, awesome. So, I started my journey as a behavior analyst really in college. In undergrad, I went to Temple University and I met a professor there who actually had studied with student B.F. Skinner, who is kind of like the godfather of behavior analysis. Yeah, and he really introduced me to behavior analysis and he pushed me to really get my master's in it. And then I became board certified. It was a great. Definitely a great experience during that time. I did a lot of research uh, working specifically with individuals diagnosed with developmental disabilities and using behavior analysis to help shape development of those individuals. So yeah, so it, it was a really great time. During that time, I also got my first job as well. I worked as a ABA therapist working one-on-one with clients. From there, I became promoted to become a behavior specialist consultant. Then I became a board certified behavior analyst. And then I really was introduced to training and development. And that was really where I think I kind of started my leadership journey. I had an amazing mentor, Kathleen Stengel, and she really shaped me up to become a trainer and work within the company in a leadership role, which was an amazing experience. And then from there, I, I, became promoted to become a clinical director. And I managed our clinical care in several different states, which was an interesting journey, especially at the time I was in my late 20s. So it was an interesting time to uh, be learning on the fly. And that's actually kind of where I came across your podcast around that time.
0: Yeah, you were really on the fast track on leadership. And and when you and I started working together, you had taken over as CEO of a nonprofit. And what prompted you to Find the podcast. Do you remember how you tracked this down originally? So
1: at the time, I was recently promoted to the clinical director position, and I was really looking for some leadership guidance. And it's and it's a really funny story. I really came late to the podcast game, which is so odd because I've very much been a part of social media since the you know even two thousand four. So I had heard from a friend, you know, you should really look into podcasts. They're a great way to learn. They're a great way to learn, especially if you're driving. And I was doing a lot of driving. So I really just did a search for leadership because I was really looking for leadership guidance and training outside of kind of the typical norm of a class, I guess. And your podcast popped up. So I subscribed and started listening So your podcast was actually the very first podcast I ever listened to. Oh,
0: no kidding. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, Wow. I'm on.
1: Yeah. So when you go through my podcast and all the ones I listen to now, because now I'm kind of a junkie. So I guess you kind of started that that train. um, (laughs) You're very first on my list because you were the first one I subscribed to. So I I started listening probably around 2016. So you had already been podcasting for quite a bit.
0: Well, I know one of the things that you were sharing with me is that you know some of the past episodes really kind of stuck out for you and, and things you remember hearing that were helpful on your journey. And one of the ones I think you mentioned to me that you recall was when David Allen was on the show back in episode yes. uh, 184, I think it was. What is it that you remember from that episode that was helpful to you?
1: Yeah, I remember that episode. I didn't listen to it live because I think you had already recorded it. I was listening to it amongst my feed when I was, I remember I was driving on 95 South and I live in the Philadelphia area. So I was driving on 95 South and this, your podcast, David Allen popped in and it was a time where I was definitely struggling organizational wise. I was overbooking my time. I was very stressed out. I was very overwhelmed with all of my new leadership duties because I had just become clinical director I was managing different states and organizing different states and processes and things like that so listening to him speak on your podcast was just like oh like this is an amazing thing and in just his book getting things done I I read it after I listened to your podcast I really use. I still use it today to kind of help me organize my life, essentially. So yeah, so I do remember that very vividly. That was probably the, the podcast that kind of switched my gears as far as getting me more organized, getting me to kind of block things off, getting me to do that task list in a little bit more of an efficient way. So that was definitely one of the most vivid memories I have of Coaching for Leaders.
0: Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I recall years ago, it's probably going back 10 or 15 years, listening to getting things done on audiobook. And for whatever reason, I can remember exactly where I was too. I was in the parking lot of a customer's office listening to the audiobook (laughs) because I was there early or late or something I can't remember. And it's one of those things that once you hear his methodology, it's hard not to see the world the same way again, right? (laughs) In a good way. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely.
0: (laughs) And there's so much there. And I think those of us who've been following him over the years... I must feel very much like a student still trying to learn all the elements of the system. What's one thing that you do today that's different than what you did before you became exposed to the getting things done methodology?
1: One of the things I do now is definitely organize my tasks according to what can I get done right now and what can I get done or is going to take a little bit more of my time and just kind of knock off the things that I can get done immediately as quickly as possible and then actively block off time to do the things that are going to take more of my time. The other thing too is I've been more protective of my time in that I used to be very much a yes person to everything. So everything that came across my desk, yes. Somebody's texting me at 8 30 at night and they need something, You know, I will be the person that gets it done. But now I'm more protective of my time where I need to be decompressing because it's also very important from a self-care perspective.
0: Well, I am curious about that because I think that I find that when I'm working with people, that a lot of folks, especially starting off in leadership, you know, really want to be very responsive and very present. And you know, when a text message comes in at nine o'clock at night to answer it and and help, you know, as you started to make that shift from really taking command of your time, making and being more protective of your time, what what changed for the organization with the people working for you?
1: I think it was a hard thing because when I started to take that step back and really set up those boundaries and start to separate myself a little bit professionally, personally, things like that, which I think is a struggle for a lot of people as they come up working in their fields, you, you want to kind of be everybody's friend. When you do that, you start to blur those lines. So I think the thing that changed the most was when I started to set those boundaries you know, I, I do think people started to respect that more, which was good, but it did change those relationships along the way.
0: It it is something I've heard from many people is in the long run that they find that to be really beneficial for themselves and their careers and the people they work with. But in the short term, if you've been doing it the other way for a while, it takes people time to get used to, oh, yeah, she's not available at nine thirty at night anymore and uh, how dare you not be available, right?
1: yeah definitely there's definitely that sense of i I think people feel hurt maybe too a little bit that you're not responding to them right away or you're not getting back to them right away but it's a process and it, it does take a little bit of time but once you are able to set those boundaries i can say from firsthand it's it's amazing because now you have time to do the things that you wanted to do all along that that were for the larger picture kind of items on that list.
0: Mm, indeed. And, and this is about the time you had this wonderful opportunity come about to take over as the CEO of a nonprofit services division. And it was right about the time you That's and I met and you decided to apply for the Academy and got accepted. What was your journey like in the Academy? What did you find that was useful to you as we went through that process of discovery, but also collaboration with your group?
1: Oh, where to start? I mean, the Academy has been probably one of the most life-changing things that I've had in my career, I have to say. And just being able to have a group of people that I've connected with who, you know, it's really cool about it is that they're not directly connected to the actual problem. So that's always a good thing to go outside of your direct network to kind of work through what's going on. And that was a huge support. A lot of times CEOs kind of are at the top and they're very lonely. It's a very lonely kind of job because you don't have a lot of support. Not saying that I didn't. When I was the CEO of the nonprofit, I had an amazing support system from the board of directors. And they really shaped me up and trained me on how to be a CEO, which I took from that experience, I think, a lot. But a large part of that, too, was from the help of the academy The membership groups are amazing because you connect with people individually, but then there's the larger piece as well of people outside of your group that you can connect with and reach out to if you are having some sort of issue or leadership struggle, there's always somebody there to help and uh, really support you along that path. So that was huge really throughout that journey of becoming a CEO, developing my skills as a CEO, and getting the recommendations and the support from the Academy members definitely was a huge, huge support during that time.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about David Berkus was on the show uh, just recently talking about Mm -hmm. the value of weak connections and how the research is showing that those who are outside of our day-to-day organization or our, our network within our industry can be really helpful as far as providing perspective and new ways of thinking. And it sounds like, you know, in some ways we've set up the academy like that, that we have some good relationships, but they're also people who are outside of your normal sphere of influence. And it sounds like that's been helpful to you as far as getting that different perspective. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I was listening to that episode too. And I was thinking that myself as well. I'm like, oh, these are my academy people. <laughs> but Yeah, it's been a huge help as I've developed in the last two years. And I feel like I've gone through a lot of changes and pivots in the last two years, and the Academy has been there each step of the way. So I do appreciate that.
0: Oh, well, the pleasure is mine. It's been just a thrill to get to work with you. And you said a key word there a moment ago, which is pivot, (laughs) because you are not CEO anymore. You took on a brand new opportunity that came across your desk, uh, really to launch your own organization. And I remember you and I talking about this when you were getting to that point, and pivot was a key word in that. Mm-hmm. So so tell me about what changed and what went into your thinking with that and, and how how pivot's coming up for you on this.
1: I really was exploring, especially with some of the work with the Academy, just really wanting to go outside of what I was currently doing from the services division perspective. And I really wanted to bring behavior analysis to a larger population and start looking at our science from the perspective of helping organizations and businesses, helping parents and training parents, helping staff development, help, and even within my own field, developing BCBAs to become BCBAs. And that's really where I... I started to, to get a little bit unhappy, I guess, with the not with the job because I loved the, the clients. I loved my staff. I loved working with the board of directors. I loved everything about where I was. It was just I didn't feel like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. So I had talked to you a little bit about it. You and I had a check-in, and you had recommended the book Pivot. By Jenny Blake, which yeah. I read. And that was the eye opener. That was really the book that kind of helped me figure out a plan on how I was going to get myself to where I knew I was basically doing what I was meant to do. So I did kind of start a fade plan with the services division. I started to really start working on Developing my new business a little bit as well, building up some consulting projects and coaching projects within the field to develop ECBAs. And I, I feel like that I, you know, I pivoted pretty well. And knock on wood so far. I haven't had any hardships, I guess, in that. And I think that book was really my guide in doing that. So, yeah, that was kind of it. I, I decided I needed to be doing what I was meant to be doing and formed shaping development. And we formed in July, officially kind of working full-time starting in September of 2017. We have a coaching division. We have a consulting division for individuals as well as an organizational consulting division where we work with organizations to scale and build processes and develop systems and things like that using the principles of behavior analysis.
0: There's two things about this that are really fascinating to me your story. One is, you know, when most people start new businesses, the first 6 months to a year to a couple years sometimes they're really kind of, you know, working to make ends meet and to try to find new business. And you have had tons of opportunities come your way from day 1, which, you know, is a testament to the wonderful work you've done locally in Pennsylvania and in, in your communities. But also just how hard you've worked to make things happen immediately. So it's just super impressive to see you launching this so successfully from the get go. The other thing that's really interesting to me is I talk about the value of weak connections. I don't know Jenny Blake and I haven't read the book. <laughs> And so you and I were talking about this. I remember the conversation and I had just heard an interview with her on a different podcast. And you mentioned that you were in this moment of trying to pivot. And I was like, oh, interesting. I just heard this interview and you took that and ran with it and got in the book. And I know you've you've talked, by the way, hi, Jenny, if you're listening, (laughs) you know, at some point we got to have Jenny on coaching for leaders because I know there's a great message there as well for our broader audience. But you just you started talking with her and used her material to, to go forward. And I, I just think that's so cool that you've just taken the bull by the horns and, and run with it. And I am curious, what is one thing you learned from Jenny that's different now in your thinking than maybe was a year ago before you started on this?
1: Oh, there's so many things. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is flexibility she's she always says, what's next? And that that is the question, you know, what's next not to be so set in our ways so rigid. So this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life kind of thing. But to be flexible to go with the flow, really to, to take life as it happens. Um, not in like a woo woo kind of way, but really just not being so rigid and fixed on the mindset of what you think is going to happen or should happen in this moment but really catching the wave and riding with it because there's a lot of times and things in life that are going to present to us as far as career opportunities and personal opportunities and we really need to be open to them and i think that's also partially why i've been able to hopefully sort of be successful in what i'm doing Again, coming back to the power of networking, I 100% believe in the power of networking. I feel like if I wasn't for my network, I would not be where I am today. And just being able to keep those connections going because you never know where your next career might be or your next job opportunity might be. And just to really be open to those opportunities and not be so fixed on what you think you should be doing. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned.
0: Yeah, it's. I wonder sometimes because I, I am conscious of how often we talk about relationship building and networking on the show. You know, if, if sometimes maybe I bring that too much into our community and and that's too too often a conversation we have on the show, and maybe we should focus on other areas more. And then I, but I keep we keep coming back to it so much because I hear stories from you and from other Academy members, and I certainly in my own career of just like the value of relationship building and networking. And there's lots of different ways to look at it, of course, but whichever way you choose of continuing to grow those relationships because it's so critical. And like you said, you never know what's you never know who you're gonna be working for tomorrow, right? Or who's gonna be your customer tomorrow. (laughs) It's 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 just amazing how things change. And that's just the world of of today. So I think it's uh I think it's a good thing for us to keep working on. So another person that has come up in a number of our conversations uh, in the recent past is Kristen Hadid, who was on the show, and her book, Permission to Screw Up. And you heard her interview here on Coaching for Leaders and went and grabbed the book. Tell me what you have discovered from her.
1: Kristen's book is probably the book I wish I had when I started my first job as a CEO because she went through, I feel like, all the stages I went through. (laughs) And I'm wondering if it should be studied somehow, like the stages of a CEO. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, though I wish I had read it when I I was going through it, I do strongly believe things happen for a reason. They come across your table for a reason. And hearing your podcast with her and reading the book afterwards, you know, it it was just something that reinforced the experience that I had that, you know, this, what had happened to me is not so crazy and so different than what happens to most people as they start and they learn. And, And really just learning from your mistakes and how you can. A, admit to your mistakes, especially when it's really hard, especially when you have to do it in front of all of your employees, (laughs) but also owning your mistakes and moving forward from them, creating that plan to, to get better. And that was a really really good book for me to read. And and also too, using that book now as I start to onboard some new employees to my own company, using that book as a guide to make sure that I don't make the same mistakes I made before.
0: I'm curious, either from your experience as CEO or perhaps from one of those books, what is one thing you're doing today in onboarding people that maybe you weren't doing in your previous role as CEO that you feel has been helpful?
1: For me, it's getting to know the individuals that I'm bringing on board. And I know this is not always scalable because you know there is a time and a place for when you do have to hire a lot of people. And of course, the CEO is not going to be sitting in that room during the interview process. But for me right now, my companies are small so i it's really just getting to know the individuals that i'm bringing on board maybe instead of interviewing them in my office doing a coffee meeting just to kind of ask some questions about you know their own experience get to know them a little bit from a personal perspective also throw in some you know tough questions see how they do in a tough scenario how they how they handle you know questions on the fly that they may not necessarily be used to so those are the kinds of things that I'm doing now that I didn't do before which was really just here's the interview checklist let's check the boxes make sure they're all checked and okay you're good to go move on to training or orientation I'm not doing that so much anymore now it's more of that individual connection that I'm looking for when I hire people now obviously that's not currently it's not very scalable but there I do believe there are ways to make that scalable and it's creating that company culture, that company mission, that vision statement, and really staying true to that, um, which I'm hoping to do as I as I grow.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I love that Kristen says in her message as well is it you know it doesn't have to necessarily be scalable, right? Like you can decide. I mean, there's all this pressure in entrepreneurial circles to grow and to scale and to sell the business, and it's also okay to create an organization where you. Just build it because you love to do it, and because it's part of your mission, and uh, and to do things in in small but very meaningful ways. And I don't know what your long term plans are with your businesses, but a, you you very much strike me as someone who's thinking about this from a standpoint of how do we create joy and meaning in our work and really serve people well. And you know, if something bigger happens at some point, fine. But it's uh, but it's about you know the journey.
1: Absolutely. And and I think that's one of the major things that I've kind of learned throughout this process and this journey, you know, definitely from the Academy members, from you and from different people along the way is, is to kind of just enjoy it and not be so tied up into the day to day, but be really committed to doing something that you enjoy doing, you find joy doing and that you you know, ultimately feel like you're meant to do. And if you haven't found it yet, keep looking because it's a whole different world when you start to really enjoy what it is that you're doing.
0: Yeah. And there's no, there's no destination, right? Like, it's not like you get somewhere one day and all of a sudden you're happy. It's, uh, you have to, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but it's so much better if you make the choice to enjoy things along the way. And to the extent you can create your career like you have or your work around that, even better, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All
0: right. So speaking about Joy, you have this wonderful project that you're also doing in addition to shaping development called Operant Coffee. So there's not a lot of people I know that are the CEO of a company and also running a coffee business (laughs) in addition. So how did this happen? I'm so curious.
1: I think I'm a little crazy is how this happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I was already fully committed to shaping development. I had gotten that up off the ground, working on that. And I think one morning I was just sitting there. I was actually rereading B.F. Skinner's Walden 2, which is one of his kind of famous works. It was his only fiction work that he wrote. At least that's been published. (laughs) And he talks a lot about dissemination of behavior analysis, which is kind of one of my own personal missions as being a BCBA, board certified behavior analyst. So I was reading that book and I was like, how can we do this in a way that's different than what's currently out there? So most of the people disseminating are using social media. They're doing a lot of different things that way. And then I was drinking coffee. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? why don't we use coffee to to, to disseminate our science? And I don't know why or how the idea came. It just, it was there. And I took it and ran with it. So I, I think the idea came to me on October 1st, 2017. By October 30th, I had filed the LLC. And by November 15th, we had our first blend. And we started selling... think our first sale date was November fifteenth. So yeah, so it happened really quickly. I'd found a local roaster that I partnered with to essentially roast and ship my coffee. We create all the blends together. So it's a, it's a joint business venture, which was great because I had actually emailed multiple different roasters throughout the country. And this was the only one that got back to me and it turned out they were right in my backyard. So it was perfect because now I can actually physically drive there and we, we work together that way. So I worked with them. I created the first blend, which was Burris's Breakfast Blend after B.F. Skinner, and started selling November 15th. So every bag of coffee has a behavior analysis fact on it, and it is roasted by Philly Fairtrade Roasters, and it's organic trade certified coffee, and really good, in my opinion, but... I'm probably biased.
0: <laughs> uh, well, <So. laughs> I, I have also had your coffee. It is exceptionally good. In fact, it's in my kitchen right now. And it's really been fun to see how you've now taken this as an opportunity to go out and reach out to people in your industry, because you're actually approaching a lot of organizations and conferences who are, are now partnering with people to have coffee with inside businesses and organizations that in some way are connected to your industry, which I think is really just super savvy and smart of you.
1: Thanks. Yeah. The hope is that this helps people in my field disseminate our science in a way that's fun. So the idea is share a cup of coffee with someone, a behavior analyst and, to, you know, share the label and see somebody might have a question about what's on there. Then you can kind of talk a little bit about our science. But yeah, it, it's great because my goal is really to help also connect people. With it, I feel like sharing a cup of coffee and having a coffee conversation is, is a great way to connect with people and just even helping people within my field connect with each other. So the office, you know, we definitely have office packages. So our, our different people in our field have different offices for services that they provide. So that is definitely something that I'm hoping to help is create that connection within our field using the coffee.
0: You've been on such a journey over the last two years, really, uh, since we've known each other. I-, I am curious, what's something that you believe today, or you are thinking about pretty consistently today, and you're operating that you know wasn't necessarily true a year or two ago, or you've changed your mind on?
1: I think the number one thing that I've changed changed my mind on is that. Business is very fluid. It's something that you should kind of be able to be flexible with and, and pivot, for lack of a better term, either within your organization or outside of your organization. But thinking about even coming up through undergraduate, and my master's in graduate school, I was very rigid and very you know committed to this is my plan, this is the plan I'm following, and I'm not going to deviate from the plan. But I think in the last year, I've really developed my flexibility skills as far as being able to change when I need to. You know, things don't always go to plan and you have to be flexible. You can't just freeze. You can't just not respond. You you have to kind of go with what's happening and then also enjoying every day and just learning from it. You know, the mistakes I make. You know, hopefully, I won't make again, and because I've learned from it. So that's kind of the mindset that I've developed over the last year. Very different from the mindset I had probably about a year to two years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it's uh, I I hear a lot of what you're saying in my own story too. Uh, mindset has changed a lot on those things, especially uh, you. You and I have had a lot of formal education, and <laughs> in a lot of ways, that's great. And also, in some ways, it. Doesn't necessarily always prepare us for the realities of the quote-unquote real world, right? <laughs> yeah. The changes and the the fluidity that we really need as leaders today. So, oh gosh, uh, wow, so much here, Beth. All right, so let me see if I can capture what, everything you've said in a because you know part of our part of our fun we've been having on the Saturday cast here is putting together a little bit of a. Uh, for lack of a better term, a little curriculum or a little training plan for people who want to take a similar journey. So uh, we have highlighted a few past episodes. So one of them was episode 184. David Allen was on talking about how to get things done. So if that is something that's top of mind for you right now, check that out. We also talked about episode 338 with Kristen Hadid, Your Permission to Fail, and her book by the same name, which you've uh, utilized a bunch, uh, Beth. And then we talked about also Jenny Blake's book, Pivot. Jenny has not been on the show yet, but uh, Beth, you've been very kind to get us connected. So hopefully we'll have her on the show here at some point. And you also mentioned... Patrick Lencioni, he's been on the show before, Uh, I think he was on episode 301, and one of his past books, Five Temptations of a CEO. Uh, If you are a CEO, that is definitely a good book to, to check out. And let's see, did we hit everything? I think that's everything.
1: I think so. Yeah, we had everything.
0: <laughs> okay, good. So, a couple of places for people to go. If people would like to connect with you, you've got the two businesses. Would you share where folks can go? And then, you know, we can maybe get folks connected with you on LinkedIn too if they'd like to direct message you?
1: Absolutely. So, Shaping Development, which is the consulting company for coaching and development for organizations and staff training and development, is www.shapingdevelopment.com. Exactly as it's spelled. And the other way you can connect with me if you're interested in learning more about my coffee is operantcoffee.com. So that's operant, O P E R A N T coffee.com.
0: Great. Well, I'm going to be posting our episode up on LinkedIn. If you're hearing this and would love to get connected with Beth, I know she would love to hear from you. She's been a big supporter of our community for the last several years and member of our academy. Beth, it has been an honor and a pleasure uh, not only to talk to you today, but to be working with you over the last two years and to be a small part of your journey. Thank you so much for the privilege. I'm really honored.
1: Oh, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for everything you've done. I I definitely, truly appreciate it.
0: The the pleasure is mine a a million times over. And hey, I've got a question for you. Yes, you listening. Uh, Do you have a success story? from what you've learned from the Coaching for Leaders podcast that I should know about. I'd love to hear about it. And perhaps with your permission, even share it with our listening community. Maybe, maybe even here on a future Saturday cast. So if you have a success story, I'd love to know about it. Just visit coachingforleaders.com slash success to share your story with me. This Saturday cast was brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. To discover more about the Academy, and get alerted about opportunities to apply for membership, just go over to coachingforleaders.com academy and you can find out lots more there. Thank you so much for listening and see you on Monday for our next regular show. And thanks again to Beth Garrison. Have a great day. Take care.